This week on Board Game Faith. Faith, Religion, and Board Game Design with Shim Phillips of Garfield Games. This is Board Game Faith, the bi-weekly podcast on the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board games. Hello and welcome. My name is Kevin. My name is Daniel. I guess I'm Shane Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Welcome and thank you for making a little time for us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we wanted to chat a bit about your journey, both as a, uh, your religious journey and your board game design journey, and especially inspiring your link from your testimonial at church, maybe... About a year ago yeah. or so. So we will link that in the links below. Um, but I thought one question to start with. Um, you like to do trilogies, which is kind of odd in board game design. Is That's kind of fair. It's a Yeah, I'm okay to be called odd. That's fine. It's something <laughs> I... Well, I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. And what I've found playing them, it is, is it almost feels like an iteration, like you're playing with a design bit and then you change to a different location and a different interest. Is that fair or is there any thought there or, or why? Yeah, I kind of stumbled into it um, with shipwrights and then people were asking for like, what, is there another game coming about raiding with these ships? And that led me to this, to the trilogy kind of model. Um, And then with the West and the South, we were far more intentional. So it is very much like we, with architects, we discovered this virtue corruption kind of, mechanical theme I guess you could say in the game and we thought we could explore this more with future games so we had the corruption and the debts that came into paladins and then even the um, the deeds and the good stuff that came with viscounts so it allows us to kind of play in that similar mechanical space but still design a fresh mm-hmm. game um, so it's fun for us because we can kind of enjoy that game I guess that world a bit more longer than just here's a one-off game here's a one-off game yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right right do you find that you might have like a mechanism that 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 uh, you'd want to try in a game, but but you think, oh well, we're going to have another game, so we can we can push that off to the next one. Yeah, that's like I that. mean, it's totally how it could work. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure if like there's an example of that, but I think with the virtue kind of stuff, yeah. especially like there's probably things we go, oh that doesn't quite work, and then maybe later down the line, you're like actually that idea we had a while ago could work for this one. Yeah. That happens in yeah. like all our games yeah. anyway. Um, we've got like there's yeah. one mechanism yeah. we have which we tried it in Paladins, we tried it in Vikings, we tried it in Wayfarers. And we haven't even used it yet, but we've got this idea of this like kind of training your workers kind of business and that one day it'll make it into a game, but not yet. So, <laughs> so it hasn't made the final cut in any <laughs> no. of the games. <laughs> one day. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a book, right? Like you have different little bits that yeah, yeah. didn't work and then you save it for the next one, right? And even the expansions are a bit of an iteration, like playing with some of the ideas. Yeah, so expansions are fun. They're, they're they're more of a service to the fans than they like us trying to make something new. But it is fun to go back like a year or two later mm. and revisit a design and think, how would we make this better now with all this, all the additional plays mm. we've had and the fun mm. we've had with the with the game since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in your testimonial, you discuss the power of music and lyrics. 
So I don't know if you'd want to say a bit more about, like, what's the role of music and lyrics in your life today? Yeah, I'm a big music fan. Um, I grew up playing, I taught myself to play bass. I played drums as a kid, but I can't play now. Um, so I guitar and bass and then got into bands, lots of rock and punk and metal kind of bands, hardcore bands growing up. Um, and I always loved lyrics, um, especially from like a faith point of view. I love the heavier Christian metal bands, Strong Arm and Zayo and stuff when, back in the Tooth and Nail Solid State days. Um, and just the power that was in those lyrics, the, the emotion and, and the truth behind them. I always clung to those. So even now, still, I just love like listening to songs that have real powerful lyrics. Um, I still like music just for music as well. There's some bands I listen to that have terrible lyrics. Um, but, you know, when there's really good lyrics, it just makes the song that much better. Um, so I've, I've always gravitated towards any kind of like poetic writing that has that, that gets the emotions going, gets the feeling going. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I always enjoyed it. It's, it's another creative endeavor like board game design, I guess. Similar kind of thing. Yeah, because you, you write music as well too, right? Not so much these days, but yeah, I still I still enjoy writing when I, okay. when I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask in um, yeah this testimonial that we're talking about this this wonderful sermon that's online that you give at your church. Yeah, you, you talk about uh, being a you describe yourself as a nerd lyric <laughs> a, a lyric yep. nerd or a nerd <laughs> a lyric nerd um, uh, 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 nerd lyric is something else um but um and i love that because that's that's something um we talk about in in our family sometimes too that just i i uh, uh give me a good lyric and uh and i it can it can cover up it can make up for a lot of other maybe other things in the song but i just uh, you mentioned a few but i was wondering are, are there like are there some, some artists or bands that are kind of the um pinnacle of good lyric writing for you that you you especially yeah definitely admire their abilities to turn some good words turn some good lyrics yeah, so in the christian music space um uh, my epic are one of the best bands that their lyrics are amazing my epic um they're kind of mm. like a alternative rock kind of style band um very biblical yeah, you feel yeah. like you're listening to scripture basically um strong arm wow. is one of my favorite old-time christian hardcore bands their lyrics are just bonkers yeah. so good and then for more creative stuff, um, the band Me Without You I really love. He quotes a lot of different stuff, um, not always Christian, but various like authors and other kind of books he quotes, uh, but really deep and almost too deep to the point you're like, what is he actually saying in this in this bit? But I love the way he crafts the melodies with the the kind of um, the timing of the words, that kind of stuff, the phonetics of the words. Yeah. And what was the name of the last one? Me Without sorry. You. It's all one word. Me Without You. Me Without yeah. You. Me yeah, very yeah. arty. Thank you. What do you think? What do you think makes something Christian besides quoting scripture or you know certain phrases? What do you think would make something authentically Christian? Yeah, I don't know if thing, if things can be Christian. I think people can be Christian, um, but I think it's more uh-huh. the the intent behind the the artwork. I guess um, is probably what makes it cla- like classed as a Christian mm. thing. If it's a a person of faith who's trying to, um, I guess give a, a message of some sort or at least some truth or some hope, um, then I guess it has that that front to it. Um, but it can be, you know, there's songs out there that don't even have anything biblical in them or any kind of, I guess, direct wordature used, but it's very obviously like, oh, that's, that's speaking about truth and faith and things like that. Like the books of Narnia and stuff, mm-hmm. for example. It's like we know the parallels. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious. Um, 
but yeah. there's, and then there's, there's songs that are far more contemporary, which is like very obviously singing about Jesus or something else, you know, that's like, clearly it's a Christian song uh, or intended for Christians, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Is there, do you think there's a bit of that with Ezra and Nehemiah that's coming up in the sense of it's a biblical theme and it is about, I guess, rebuilding, which is kind of a, a spiritual theme? Right, like building, yeah. Rebuilding your, I mean, this is like a passion project yourself. for us because um, we do games about Vikings and, and fighting and stuff, which isn't very Christian. Um, so it's it's fun to finally do a game that like has a very direct biblical kind of background. Um, but we were very intentional about making it not a religious game. It's it's a historical game, sure. Um, heavily inspired by the scripture, of course. Um, but we we wanted to make sure it didn't isolate people and or. You know, a couple of people are saying, oh, they don't want that game because it's a Bible game or a Christian game or a Jewish game. Um, so we've we've tested a lot and given it to people who aren't of any faith. Um, and they've enjoyed it because it's a solid game and it's an interesting, interesting theme regardless of your, your beliefs. So, um, But we, I couldn't shy away. We, right. the, the introduction to the game is like paraphrased from Scripture. So like we weren't being, we're not hiding mm. it, but we're also not throwing it in people's faces as well. If I'm asked, did you decide to to make a Bible-themed game first, and then kind of find a, a story, a, you know, books books in the Bible that you thought would would fit that well, or did, or was it was Ezra and Nehemiah first, and you said, oh, I got to we got to make a game about Ezra and Nehemiah? Well, we've done it's in our ancient anthology line, so we've done three games um, in that line already, which is set mm, in mm, the Scythians, yeah. uh, the sort of the late Romans, almost English, um, and the Chinese. So. We were looking for new civilizations to kind of build games around. And about 10 plus years ago, I had been working on a game called Nehemiah um, because I, you know, I want to do a game in that theme. It's hard to find good biblical stories that aren't about human failure um, because most of them are, you know, it's Mm. about, it's about us struggling and God, and God like basically coming through. That's a good point. So yeah, yeah, even though there is a lot of bad (laughs) stuff that Ezra and Nehemiah do towards the end of the books, they make stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. There is still this like humans doing good things. They're building stuff. They're creating stuff, um, which is easy to gamify. Mm-hmm. It's hard to gamify like mm-hmm. you all failed, so God will pick up the pieces for you. <laughs> That's, you know, so it's it's a great game. Right. It's a great story for a game, I guess. That's the best way to put it. Mm. No, I think it's really ingenious because it is biblical. It is a clear Euro game because you're building yep. something. Um and it's a story of a people that are trying to rebuild. But you could also take it as a message of rebuilding your soul, rebuilding yeah. yourself, rebuilding your beliefs. So it it really translates in all sorts of avenues. So yeah, I think it's great. I, I love and I love that insight about about there aren't a lot of stories, stories in the Bible about like, because you're right. I mean, games, we've talked about this in other episodes, games, you know, very often are kind of like these adventures and like agency, right? Yeah. Like, you know, trying to kind of explore kind of your ability to do this or try this new ability or whatever. And, and you're right. It's, you can't really build a, a game around, um, oh, I'm powerless and vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or, or yeah, that's, uh, that's a great, that's a great point, which, or, which a lot of biblical stories are about, or, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of the powerlessness and the vulnerability yeah. of the of the of the uh, characters. There's in the story. always heroes that pop up. You know, like you got the Joshua stories and Moses and stuff. You could do games around that, but yeah. there there's so much reason why, like, there's so much failure in those stories still. Um, but you can highlight, I guess, the yeah, good parts. Yeah. But 
Um, that's that's yeah. I yeah. guess for me, that's kind of like taking away the actual meaning of the story. It's that's what not what the Bible's about. Like the the overall story of the Bible is not about human and endeavor and achievement. So it's kind of mm. it's kind of oh, hard so to, true. to gamify that's, a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You could do a game about Peter where you're, you know, Jesus' right hand man, and then you betray him. <laughs> And then you're kind of the hero for the book of Acts till Paul shows up and then you disappear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very unsatisfying game. <laughs> uh, anyway, wow. Uh, very interesting. Why, what, what's your interest in metal? It's besides maybe being born in the late 20th or the mid, I guess you're late 20th in century. In metal music. Ish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I think I was probably... Maybe 14, 15, when a friend of mine, who's probably about 10 years older than me, gave me a bunch of tapes, like cassette tapes with um, with old music on them. Um, Living Sacrifice, Strong Arm, Zayo, old school hardcore bands. Um, and that's when I kind of fell in love with that stuff. I was also getting into a lot of punk bands like MXPX, Slick Shoes back then. Um, so I've always, like, ever since that age, leaned towards that more alternative punk, hardcore, metal kind of scene. Um, I think mm-hmm. I still like it today. I think because of its honesty, um, I I often bounce mm. on pop music because it's very like happy chappy and you know like it's a bit fake. Um, not to say there aren't some good pop songs, but for me, I, I like the grit. I like the reality of like life's tough, um, but there's hope. Oh. That kind of feeling. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I love mm. just the sound mm. of it too, That's the aggression good. and the, the you know the, the energy that that kind of music has. But yeah. lyrically, it's like there's a, a slight darkness, but with the hope attached which is in my eyes like a lot of what life is you know it's a lot of misery and a lot of hurt but there's also this right. hope and this future ahead of us so yeah wow do you listen to that when you're doing working on games yeah i mean i i, I have music on most of the time um uh, i have i actually go back to one of the metal. oldest zero albums when i'm writing rule books because it's just like screaming so i just can <laughs> zone out and it's like it's a it's that nostalgic like i know the songs so well i don't have to think about them so I can just write rule books while I'm listening to, da, 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 you know, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the lyrics don't don't make their way into the rule books. Yeah, I guess I'm not trying to figure them out because I know what they are and they just kind of fly over me. Yeah. Right, right. Whereas right. I'm listening to like more modern stuff that I'm into right now. I'm probably trying to listen to it more and focus on it because I'm enjoying the new kind of sounds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Hmm. Wow. What's your ty- favorite type of music, Daniel? Genre. Oh my goodness! My favorite type of music genre. Oh, there's so much that I like. Um, um, I do enjoy a bit of metal myself. You do? You do? Yeah. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that about you. Yeah. That's cool. Any particular something about the '80s? I guess favorite bands. Well, when you came to visit us, you uh, out in Missouri, you uh, you introduced us to. to Greta Van Fleet, which is a little metal, they are uh, fine. A, a, a little bit, a little bit maybe. Yeah, and we've kind of we've enjoyed them since rock at least or something, but yeah. more glam rock. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard them? No, show? I haven't. But it's more the is it more the hair metal kind of like? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yep. kind of Led Zeppelin, yep. but it's uh, the guy has amazing multi octave mm-hmm. singing and it has real Led Zeppelin feel. To answer your question, Lodge, um Kevin, right now, um, I think uh, I'm, I'm kind of into. I'm kind of going through like a soul, soul funk phase. <laughs> I listened over the last the last uh, last half year or so. I'm kind of digging back and kind of discovering movie, 
music from the 60s and 70s kind of in that in that funk era that i'm enjoying so there you go yeah yeah there's a good beat to that yeah that's nice um shim one of the things you discussed very poignantly in the in your your sermon testimonial is about the loss of your father and and you say some profound things about how religion shaped helped you come to grips with that loss if that's fair um do you yeah, wanna, I mean, that, yeah. would you change any of that or add to that or how does that work today or would you summarize it or? Yeah. So, I mean, for those who haven't, I guess, haven't seen it, um, my, my dad died when I was 13, <clears throat> almost 14, um, drowned during my cousin's 21st birthday party, uh, kayaking down a river. Um, so it was a massive shock. I grew up in a very like typical Christian family, I think. Um, great parents, good school, good friends, no real drama in our family. Um, so it was this massive shock of like, well, life can change suddenly. And this like sort of pre-teen, early teen boy. My brother was two years older than me at the time. He still was, I guess. That's how life works. Um, but no, it was, yeah, big, big shock. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I think because of my foundations as a kid growing up, um, even like within the, the first few days of that happening, I had this like, this kind of weird piece about it of like, I feel like God saying like, I'll be your father. I'll protect you. I'll look after you. I'll provide for you. Um, and that's just carried with me my whole life. So um, there's been moments throughout my life where I've gone like, you know, is that true? You know, do you really mean that? And then he's just proven himself to me time and time again. So I just cannot deny that he that he has and he's been faithful the whole time. So, yeah, that's how it's been for me. And how do you, do you think about that today, like from day to day? Like how does that, does that influence today as you... I mean, you still miss the presence of your father. Yeah, for sure. It's um, I mean, it's, it's your heaven, your earthly yeah, yeah. father. That it's is, hard to know because yeah. it's like you have spent how many years now? Like um, twenty eight years, twenty seven years, something like that. So you kind of learn to live life as it is, and you it's like you can't imagine what it would be like having a dad as a teenager or as a twenty year old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what mm-hmm. life becomes. Anyone who's gone through loss would understand that. I guess is you can't imagine the other side of that. Um, but I think one of the biggest impacts that's had on me um, of seeing God provide as a father throughout my life um, is that uh, with anything financial, especially um, for all like for our family, I have much more of a like kind of easygoing kind of attitude to life. Like it doesn't matter what's going to happen. He'll provide mm-hmm. like, you know, my business could go under. That'd be fine. Like life will go on and he'll provide. So it gives a certain level of grace and like, um, I guess ease that takes away the stress of like worrying and striving and trying to make something for myself because I know that it's ultimately not up to me how my life plays out. You know, it's we make decisions, of course, and we have to have the consequences of those. But as far as like, will I be able to feed my family this week? That's ultimately like God will provide regardless. So um, that's that's my attitude, mm. and that's it's something I can't deny now. <laughs> I guess um, I've, I've I've seen too much, you know. I've seen too much of his provision, so it's it makes my business a lot easier for me to work to to run because I'm not worried about it um, in that sense. So, yeah, yeah. I would. I think you spoke a little bit about this in your sermon, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on yeah how that how that sense of God providing factored in or not into your decision to to. Uh, to to become you know a board game designer full time. I mean that's I I think you spoke about it, it was kind of kind of a leap of faith yeah. sort of 
sort of moment. Yes? Yeah, yeah it totally was. So I went to Essen, the thing is the yeah. first time I went, um, I saw all these, like my German partners, my French partners, um, basically making my games in their languages and they're doing it full time. And I was just one guy at the time thinking like, why can't I do this full time? Like, surely I could just do this full time if they're doing it full time. Um, so I went back, mm. that was around October. Um, I think by, I think it was December, I, I told my boss, like, I'm, I'm quitting. End of January, I'm gone. I'm going full time with board games. Um, but I had that kind of feeling of like, I've got to do it. If I don't do it, then do I really have faith? That kind of, that kind of feeling of like, I've got to, you know, put my money where my mouth is kind of thing. Um, and it was the perfect timing. Mm. Everything played out so well. Um, but yeah, there definitely was a step of faith. I think at that point, we may have had just one kid, maybe two, very young though. Um, so there was there was a lot of risk and like and that kind of thing. But in the back of my head, I thought, well, if it all fails, I'll just go back to McDonald's and I'll start flipping burgers. You know, so like yeah, I knew yeah, that yeah. whatever happened, there'd be there'd be something else to fall back to, I guess. Um, but it was worth risking my my current job um, to see like let's see if this plays out. And yeah, it definitely was like, that step of faith kind of moment for sure. I love I love talking with people about those moments that they come to in life where they feel like they're just kind of taking this they're stepping out in faith or kind of taking this leap of faith and and you know because it can be a really scary time uncertain time and you know I think a theme I often hear from from folks and I know I've kind of experienced in my own life too is you know you get to this point and you think well you know is is this really where God is leading me or is this just the pizza I ate last night, you know, yeah. just kind of, you know, just kind of just, just doing weird things in my brain and, you know, and, and, uh, and is that, you know, and if it is the pizza I ate last night, is it, is it worth risking all of this? And, oh, I don't know. And I, I, um, I don't know if you had any kind of wrestlings like that. And, and if so, how did you find a way to navigate through it? And uh, how would you, or people who maybe find themselves, um, wrestling with that today. I mean, how? What advice would you give on kind of navigating through those sort of feelings? Is like, is this is God really leading me to this, or am I mixing up my signals? Yeah, here? it's so hard to trust like our own feelings or even our own thoughts. I think in life, like we always make stupid yeah, choices yeah. and we we live by emotions far too much. So, like, it's it's hard to know. Yeah. Like, is it just yeah. a phase? Am I feeling this thing because I want to feel it, yeah. or? because of other circumstances. Right, right. Um, I think for that one and yeah, for yeah. for any big decision that I've had to make, I, I try and look back for like, I guess, patterns or growth or like, like mm. it's like the tide kind of thing, like seeing like, I've, I've seen them kind of slowly sow these things or do these things or mm. things, have, certain doors have opened and you can kind of see a pattern emerging, I suppose. It's easy to look back and see it for oh, sure. That's nice. Look back five years ago. I can see how he's yeah, done things. Yeah, right, right. To try and look back like six months yeah, to a year, yeah. maybe. Um, so I had seen, for example, like that our Kickstarters were slowly growing. The, the first Kickstarters we'd done were like getting more and more. So that's that's good to see. Um, we're getting more and more fans kind of growing, mm. and then I'd seen like certain opportunities open up here and there. A little bit of work with Weta Workshop here and there, and all these things that kind of were growing. I could see things working out. So. Um, the only way I think I described it and when I spoke was like I could kind of see his hand on it that was kind of how I describe it like I could see that mm. there was something mm. that God mm. was guiding me he was sort of opening these things up and that's why I knew like this is the moment to jump <laughs> like that, that kind of thing that's, so. that's cool that's cool 
Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on on what's come before and, you know, what has God done and how has God provided in the past and probably a pretty good indication of God providing yeah, in the it's future. it's hard to make a snap decision yeah. on something like when you've got this, you've got to make this choice right now yeah. like with no no information. That's, yeah, that's yeah. tough yeah. and yeah. that probably takes a lot of prayer yeah. and like yeah. and counseling from other people and advice but when it's when you've seen the sort of pattern yeah, of growth right. it's like well, I th- I'm pretty obvious that God's pushing me in this direction. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Right. Thanks. Sometimes the obstacle is our own fears in yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Like the path mm-hmm. becomes clearer. Yeah. And the company's named somehow after your father and a grandfather, is that right? On yeah, after my dad. Did I read yeah. that? So my dad's Gary Phillips. Yep. So Garfield. Yeah. Okay. And the bird is oh, the bird from my logo is a robin, which that? is my mum's little name. So I thought she's got to get some credit as well. So. <laughs> That's so nice. You've connected with your yeah. parents. Wow. That's very nice. And what about the, what are connections you might see within religion and games and game design what do you we hit some of that with Ezra and Nehemiah but um, maybe in the sense of building yeah there's there's often not much connection really to and this is a direct story like Ezra and Nehemiah um, <clears throat> there's not much like religion in mechanisms like it's like it's like mechanisms aren't inherently mm-hmm. religious or non-religious so um, I think with any kind of art form though for me it's like it's, it's an expression of worship um, you know, we are made in his image and we are image bearers. So anything we could create is reflecting his image. So ideally I want to put out that image, not some other image. So there's choices that I might make, like certain themes I won't touch because they're not portraying a good image. Um, and then there's other things I'd love to do, like Ezra and Nehemiah, where it's like, well, this is clearly um, teaching some biblical kind of stories. So. Yeah, I mean, like Vikings what, and stuff. What, it's like, well, what can you do with that? <laughs> they weren't, they, they weren't Christians. Um, they, they were bloody and they were brutal. So, um, it's more about just like delivering the best possible thing, and then it's providing also like a game for someone to enjoy that gives them some some freedom, some joy in life beyond the theme. So it's more about the experience that you can create for people. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what themes would you not touch? Do you want to? I'm yeah, anything that's like that. occultish, witchcraft, that kind of stuff. Anything that, I guess, from the outside, um, people who have no religion or faith would think, why? What's wrong with that? It's just, it's just fun, spooky stuff. But for a Christian, you're like, I know there's some reality to those to those themes. So there's things I wouldn't want to touch like that. Hmm. Um, I don't mind like high fantasy. I don't mind things with like wizards and stuff, Lord of the Rings kind of stuff. Because I guess in my mindset, that is fantasy. Um, but when it comes down to like more reality based like spiritual stuff that's from like no, I don't want to I don't want to touch that kind of stuff yeah or anything gory or like overly sexual that kind of stuff it's just why would I want to play around with that kind of stuff why would I want my kids seeing that stuff on my board game shelves you know so yeah right you um you mentioned kind of exploring themes and games and early in the early in the episode you talked about the oh, I forget now I, I love it but the um, is it called corruption yep. corruption and virtue in in architects that uh, they just developed in later games as well but I mean I know when I play architects that's um, I mean it's kind of almost like a little meditation piece <laughs> you know it's like it's like well um, 
ethically, what kind of person do I want to be? <laughs> you know, what kind of morally, what kind of, and uh, um, I don't know if that was kind of an intentional, and, but it's almost kind of invitational and in, in, like inviting the players to think about, yeah, I mean, like how they want to interact with the world and what kind of person they want to be in the world. And I don't know. Anyway, yeah. that, it, it kind of, um, that's how it strikes me, but I've, I've, I've appreciated and found that delightful, the invitation of, I've found some funny situations where of, of that mechanism. My my more like you know very Christian friends will just go straight into corruption, be as evil as possible, and buy the black market all the time. And they've got these friends who are like atheists or non-believers, and they they will just go very virtuous. It's like we're just we're just switching roles here. Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what ball games are for? Just for us to like try stuff we wouldn't try in real life. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the optimal is to veer into corruption but not too far yeah. and then manage to bank out of it at the right time but it's it's not always easy to ultimately it's a game but it's kind of fun games. to like it's it gets you a little bit invested in like your own you know um your own morality a bit like oh am i gonna be that bad person but it's it's for fun you know it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I really believe in that. When I, if I'm playing a game or like a role playing game, I definitely want to be someone very yep. different because that's my chance. Yeah, I think to it's that's how you're playing, right? Yeah. Interesting. That I would never do yeah. in real life. It's, it's, I, as I mentioned before, that's why I like Bunny Kingdom because I, I have never been a bunny overlord <laughs> before. So I'm just, I'm just uh-huh. you know, it's good. <laughs> right. My goodness. Um, well, uh, I've got this comment to read here, but any other thought, last questions, thoughts? From either Daniel or Shem? Where does that yeah. Shem come from? That's one of Noah's sons. Do you know? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Of course. Yeah. It's the Hebrew word for All name. Right. So it has the same meaning as our English word for name. Yeah. Right. All right. Do you feel like a like I'm the only non-biblical person here? <laughs> I'm sure, there's a Kevin somewhere in the Bible. <laughs> no, he was some Irish saint. It lived on a pole or something. <laughs> that sounds, My parents just sounds, like the name. It has no meaning. Sounds almost so biblical. I mean, we're not Irish. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like have you seen yourself grow in faith as a result of any game? Or as a result of designing a game, have, have, have you have you learned kind of any religious or spiritual lessons from gaming? Do you think? Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I will say yeah, though, like okay. designing Ezra and Nehemiah, like was great because I st- was like way more motivated to study those books and Haggai and Zechariah as well. So yeah, having some like deeper yeah. or not deeper, um, I guess more practical reason to study those books um, was great. So yeah. Um, you know, because yeah, you yeah. want to study anyway, but having this like reason and focus for yeah. for actually like not just for wisdom but for knowledge yeah. to learn about this period a lot more historically and stuff that was fun, um, yeah. really good. I've wondered that about your historical games. I mean, are, do you just have a natural uh, interest yep. and lifelong learning of history already in your under your belt as you approach these subjects, or do you kind of have to? go into a deep dive of learning about each of these subjects as you as you dive into a historically themed game. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love sci-fi and stuff as well, but I think when I come to like anything that's to do with play, um, like Lego or um, board games or anything like that, computer games, I just love the the kind of sword and shield kind of stuff because I think I understand it 
I know yeah. I can pick up a sword and I can hold a shield. Yeah. Um, when I'm playing in sci-fi, yeah. I'm like, well, what's a mega blaster five million do? Like, what a, I, I like watching sci-fi, but I don't like playing in that space so much. Um, so yeah, I always I always love playing yeah, Age yeah. of Empires in my teenage years. Still kind of do a little bit. Um, you know, the, the strategy game on yeah. computer. Um, and I still, I mean, I still kind of getting back into Lego now. You probably can't see behind me, but there's Lego there. Always ancient kind of themes and pi- or, or even up to pirates kind of age as well. Um, I just, I just love that kind yeah, of medieval yeah. ancient stuff. It's just fun. I, I don't know why, but it, yeah. it clicks with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, we do, we do yeah. a lot of research, though. I had never heard of... Yeah, you must, and because I'd never heard of you until I played the legacy of you and looking that up. Um, yeah, that one was a case of Chinese. like, all right, I've got this, this solo kind of game working. Um, what great heroes are there out in ancient like stories? Like, search for like some kind of ancient hero that hasn't been talked about much, and... I think I found a few, but then found the story of you, the great, and thought this is perfect. Like, I could I could have this flood mechanism working out and all this kind of stuff. So, often we'll have like some kind of mechanisms in mind, and then find a theme, and then twist it to work better. Um, other ways, like when I did Raiders of Scythia, which was obviously just a redo of um, Raiders of the North Sea. Um, I was like, well, what what other like highly barbaric races existed in ancient in the ancient like world, and that's when I found the Scythians, which I hadn't heard of before, but they are actually referenced by I think by Paul, um, and even to say you're a Scythian was like an insult back in Greek days. So they were so it was hmm. see something about I think the scripture is something like um, along the lines of like you know there's salvation for all even for the Scythians. Like that's kind of how they were they regarded. That was that brutal. <laughs> Even for them. Like, well, they are kind of adjacent to Vikings. Like they're that, they're that brutal. Right? <laughs> that's how I got that theme. The yeah. Vikings. Otherwise, like yeah. That's now, cool. now that we've got new stories starting up, um, I just have a list of like different ancient civilizations that are kind of inspired, aspiring, and thought I can make a game in that in some ways. So I've got one now yeah. that I've, I've got the the name, I've got the the place, but don't have the game. Um, but I like the I like what that name and that world will inspire. So, trying to make a game in that theme mm. from the start. Yeah, yeah. But I take it from what you're saying earlier. It doesn't. It's not always in that order. No, right? it's not yeah, always it the order that. that sure. Yeah, sometimes the game comes first, and yeah. then yeah, yeah. Ideally, yeah. you kind of like have wow. either some very simple mechanisms, or at least like the setting, like the the civilization or something, and then um, yeah. once you have that, you kind of find the other one quickly. And then you figure out what the story is, like who are the players, what they're doing, and from there you kind of develop both the, yeah. the setting and the theme uh, and the story together and the mechanisms together. So, otherwise, if you skip all that stuff and you finish the game without any kind of theme, then it's like, well, then it will feel quite pasted on because I like the theme to right. inspire right. some of the mechanisms, like the, like the Valkyrie and Raiders of North Sea. Like they was like, well, they they wanted to die in battle. There has to be in the game somehow. So developed a mechanism that they kind of yeah. brought that theme into the game yeah 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 and your brother is an artist right yeah he does the artwork he does all the, the ancient games so both of you are creatives yeah sense. when we, we yeah. grew up trying to make our own comic books and superheroes and stuff even from we we're like five years old just used to make our own characters and all sorts mm. and we had the the modeling clay do kit i don't know if you have do kit but it's like a a modeling clay you can make stuff and then bake it in the oven you make your own little action figures and stuff oh. we used to do that kind of thing oh that's cool um, I can't draw to save my life but I would often draw my superheroes and then my brother would redraw them for me because um, he, you know, he actually had drawing skills when we were kids um, whereas I never have <laughs> so, nice. yeah we, we've done like t-shirts before like our own brands for t-shirts 
um, always always wanted to make stuff together. So, so it's a great way to do it finally. So it's really very creative family. You've got music, you've got art. Oh, yeah, my mum's an amazing design. artist. Yep, she does all sorts of, like, pretty much any medium she does. Pottery and um, fine art, all sorts. Um, and a dressmaker oh, as well. Wow. My wife's a dressmaker. Yeah, so we're a very, very creative family. Um, but, yeah. That's amazing. And would you ever do, like, an Ameritrash dudes on a map type game? Or it's just not your interest? Maybe. Um, I, I used to stay way away from them until we did Chaos Order. So we, we published Chaos Order last year, I think it was a year before, which is designed by Sam McDonald and Zachary Smith. So it's a very heavy, um, quite asymmetric area control game. Very fighty. And I, I played the first time uh, in prototype form and thought, this is cool. I can see why it's appealing, but it's not my thing. And then slowly as I played the game more, and as I had to write the rule book, I understood the game a lot more. Um, and actually got really into it. Now I really enjoy it. So, uh, yeah. It's a great game. I've played it a yep. lot. Um, still terrible <laughs> at it, but it seems like kind of a hybrid it game. It is, yeah. It's it's more of a Euro, but it does have a dudes on the map battle aspect. Yeah. And a bit of a nail biter too. Like it's come down to one roll of the dice, which Daniel and I discuss, I, I think is a lot of fun in a game oh, yeah. at times. It's that, it's that moment, that um, memory the, that you're... The, you know, for the next five years. Yeah, you, yeah, you remember right. it. Sure. And and it's also, it's luck, so it's not personal. Yeah. It's like, well, um, you just rolled better than I did. Yeah, so. I, I think I, I lean away from games where, like, on a dice roll, you you obliterated my entire army. Like, they, those kind of games bug me, like Kemet <laughs> and stuff. But when it's just like, oh, I lost maybe one troop and I had to go back to base, but I can come back next round. That stuff I don't mind so much. Um, but when it's just like you get mm-hmm. completely wiped off, all of your work that round is just gone. That's from like, I get salty right. a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I actually did a yeah, video yeah. on it for Chaos Order. <laughs> um, it was titled "Will a Eurogamer Enjoy Chaos Order?" Um, and I like kind of go into like why I ended up liking it in the end. Um, and a lot of it was my own. Ooh. Like I realized I was way too salty and way too like invested in the game. I needed to relax and just like go, you know, what? it's okay. <laughs> because Eurogamers like. Eurogamers can be very competitive, but you don't realize it because it's all friendly environment. Um, but as soon as those players get on an air control game, they get very angry and very like, like I must win. You know? So a lot of it was like right, soul searching right. to see like, why, why do I get so angry when I play these games? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. yeah. And it's partly the, the role of luck, I guess. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And also them. just being outsmarted by the players, you know? In an engine building game, like a, a, a Euro right. game, I can lose the game but still see all the stuff I achieved and go, I, I did it right, I, I did this thing and this thing, and you kind of see what you built. Mm-hmm. In a more merry trash combat game, like you either win or you lose, and when you lose, you can see all the defeat in front of you and how poorly you played. Um, and it's usually because right. the other players outsmarted you. you know, they, they, were, they were better. Maybe there was some luck in there as well. Um, but a lot of those games, it's more about like, moving into that perfect position and then like betting your odds and that kind of stuff. And I'm just not that good at that kind of game. So, um, so when I lose, I'm like, oh, you know, it's clearly that I was the worst player, you know? Yeah. Daniel, have you ch- tried Wayfarers yet? I haven't. I really want to. I'm I'll sorry. It's, it's a point I of shame. It's my favorite of, of Shem's design. I've so heard such good so things bold. about it. But, but what I like is, as Shem said, you, you come away you feel smart even when you lost just because you can mm, see yeah. what you did. Mm. Like it, it has mm. a real 
Uh, it's just something really magical about it. And I just like the going around the board sense of um, it's the one I... And it's a great solo game too. Oh, it's, a, it's a hard game to learn. I, and I, get, and I, I found that out. I, I had to teach it three times back to back at a convention. And I was like, I don't like teaching this game. Whereas I taught, I taught scholars <laughs> like about 15 times at Essen and really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, Wayfarers has a, has a big upfront teach, but once you get into it, it's quite simple. Um, yeah. So that first hurdle. Yeah, I tried to teach Jenny, uh, my wife Jenny, Wayfarers, and she just looked at me like, you've yeah, got to be kidding. <laughs> It's just not her type. She'll play some games, but that 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 was, as you said, it's very upfront and uh, yeah, it was too much. I once you yeah, I have to pick the right. Once you've time. got it, it's yeah. as simple as architects. Like the, it's that easy. Just very simple turns. Yeah. 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 Especially because you're matching the little yeah. symbols. So once you realize the matching aspect. Next time we get together, Kevin, bring bring wayfarers. We gotta. I can if I leave I now. Would. I'll be there. <laughs> Uh, 20 hours <laughs> I, I will look forward to it I look, I look forward to it yes yeah I did a big big drive across America oh, trip Jim wow. so to visit Daniel in an electric vehicle so half the time was trying to find a charger <laughs> but it was still fun nice yeah so as we're, yeah, as we're recording it right now I, Kevin I'm, I'm one hour behind Kevin and you're like are you four, 14 15 hours yeah, it's almost Head 1 p.m. on uh, Wednesday. Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I got so to say, I know this is like totally geeky, but like I love doing this also. I mean, for one thing, we're, we're going to talk with you, which is amazing. But also, it kind of, it kind of like low-key feels like time travel, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, we're like we're like talking to the future, yeah. and you're, I guess you're talking to the past. But it's, uh, anyway, it's yeah, kind of cool. crazy. All right, I'm done with my Doctor <laughs> Who moment. Right. <laughs> All right. Here's a lovely comment from one of our listeners online. I'll read to you uh, from at John Glenn. This is through our, our little Discord channel um, page server thing. So John writes, I'm so thrilled to hear you'll be speaking with Shim Phillips. I played Legacy of You over the summer during a very difficult time for me. My sister just passed away in the spring after a long and agonizing, uh, sorry, agonizing struggle with cancer. There wasn't enough time to properly say goodbye, as anyone who has been through such an ordeal can testify. It was and is very painful. Shim's game gave me the mental guardrails I needed at that time to help me navigate those long days. In Legacy of You, the floodwaters coming in from one side and the barbarians attacking from the other so aptly portrayed my personal struggle the overwhelming void of her absence against the many lingering regrets. Uh, John's a fantastic writer, by the way, obviously. Um, I do not know this person, but um, he writes, Little by little, one campaign after another, winning some, losing others, I began to feel my own floodwaters subsiding and my own barbarians retreating, enough to at least gain some balance once again. Words alone cannot express my gratitude, but please tell Shim how grateful I am for all his hard work on Legacy of You, arguably one of the best solo game experiences of all time, regardless of platform. The game's mechanics and resources are so wonderful, tight, and the decisions so well-tuned to the theme, I can only say bravo and, of course, encore. One day, God willing, I will see my sister again, and she will tell me that, in fact, Legacy of You wasn't a solo game because I wasn't playing alone. Wow. That's really yeah, it's pretty lovely. amazing. 
and humbling as well. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. That's yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, I'll send that to you in a I mean, that, that, Those kind of stories, I've heard. I've heard a few of those. Not too many, but of people like playing in, in hospital beds and things where they've got they're suffering with something, and I guess like it kind of makes it very real. You, you know, we do this the stuff for fun mm-hmm. and it's all enjoyable and like you know generally very happy, chappy. Even then, like when someone's like this game helped me through this very difficult time. That's like wow. That's uh, that makes it worthwhile for sure. Like knowing that. That wow. some cardboard and some wood and some rules could like, you know, give someone joy at like a real horrible time. So, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you made this thing, I guess, a year, eighteen, two yeah. years ago, and it, as it filters out into the real world, it, it has all these impacts that you. Yeah, I think can't like going perceive. back to what you asked at the very at the very start about like, um, like how do you kind of I guess bring faith into board game design, or is there any kind of relationship between faith and design i guess this this is the part of it that is kind of like where i feel it is is that um like it's my hope i guess that at least god would be working through me through my creativity even though it's not a christian theme or anything hopefully that god's using my gift to then minister to someone else through that through that cardboard and through that wood and those rules um which yeah that's that's amazing so yeah Hmm. awesome well, Shem, people can find you on YouTube and on the Discord server for Garfield yep. Games. Any other connections you want to I mention? I think if you go to garfield.com, you'll find links to all that kind of stuff quite easily. Yeah. Right. Okay. Very good. Daniel, any last thoughts? No, just to say, again, thank you, Shem. We're, we're so grateful for your taking time to join us. Um, and thank you for the ways that uh, you're... Uh, your heart for uh, for good games and your heart for God come together in some some pretty wonderful ways and and um, I couldn't think of a better way to to close the the episode than with that kind of uh, that kind of testimony that 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 John Glenn shared. So thank, thank you, you both. Thank you. We really right. appreciate your joining us That's today. It's been, been a pleasure. Thank you much. We'll, thank you, Shem. We will uh, see our listeners uh, in two weeks. See you then. Yep. Bye. 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 Bye.